Hello, and welcome to the Surplus Geek Podcast. I'm Jake, and I am joined once again by Bailey. Hey, uh, what's going on? He's back again, folks. Uh, and he will be here, hopefully, for a few more if we can get him back on. But we'll see. This might be the last one for a while. We don't know yet. So, who knows? I'm a busy guy. What can I say? Yeah, he's got things to do. So, today, we are discussing kind of loosely impressions, building kits out, uh, building kits on mannequins, all that such. Um, uh, Take it away. So, my question is for you, Jake, is uh, what makes it a kit or an impression? I honestly don't know. (laughs) I mean... Did I stump you with my question or... No. Oh. (laughs) I thought it was a good question. No, it is a good question. (laughs) So, we've been actually going to rack our heads over this for about 20 minutes because it is kind of one of those things like, we're not going to get into the impressions versus reenacting thing. We'll save that for another episode just because that's a... That's a huge tin of worms that needs to be opened. Not in a bad way, just it's just a lot unpacked. We're not reenactors, we're collectors that happen to sometimes dabble in the LARPing world. But um, it's just who we re- inter- who we interact with and get our sources from and actually Yeah. You know. It's it's kind of yeah, we, yeah. It well it, it's the it's that uh that overlap in Instagram where you kinda of have that in kind of reenacting impression kit, mannequin kit. All that stuff. Um, and I guess, like, a kit to me is just what's going on. Uh, it's just the random... A kit could be anything, really, to me. It could be historical. It could be non-historical. It could be just something you put together out of random stuff because you felt like it. It'd be kind of fun. An impression, to me, feels more like something that it's you're basing it on something. And honestly, it doesn't have to be historical. You could be basing it on a video game character. Yeah. You could be basing it... You, know, you could be doing uh, Half-Life. Seriously, what a, what a phenomenal game series! But yeah, you could be doing the um, the HECU Marines. Whatever yeah, they are exactly, and uh, that's in my mind, that's a kit or Thank an impression. You. Thank you, you know? Billy the Collector. He's actually been doing an impression on the HECU Marine uh, uniform yeah. and kit, pretty much on I believe his Instagram account. So he might have a post up on that, and he's also been talking to us about wanting to do a kit like that for a while now. Anyways, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, there's a couple of people that have done them. They're cool. Um, I, uh, what is it? Military, no, uniform history. He did a video breaking down. Oh yeah, he did. Yep. Yeah. Breaking down the, all the different, the Marines from the games, kits and stuff. So, uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, kit versus impression. That's what we're getting at. Um, like it's not really reenacting level, but you can be historically accurate, can be specific to a unit. Um, you know, like we, we're trying to break down what, how, how to, visual not visualize but how to um what you want to do i guess you know so like era specific battle maybe um all the way down to a specific unit in a battle all the way down to a specific photograph or or, or video yep. that you see a dude that you want to emulate um but it can also be generic yeah like I know, a, like a mix match, pretty much. Yeah, and and, uh, and you've had a little bit of an issue. We're not going to get into it too much because we don't want to cause any bad blood. But you've had a little bit of an issue with the generic thing where people were giving you a hard time. And yeah, well, it's, uh, I like I said, know. we don't have to get into it. But what I'm saying is, I don't really like that only because it's it like generic, like it's kind of to me, it's kind of like a misnomer almost because you look at troops, they kind of are generic in in a way. They're supposed to be kind of so doing a generic or like doing a a kit or an impression based on official training video. Like, yeah, it's not what they probably would have worn in combat or overseas because usually SOPs kind of go out the window because you find they don't work. Yep. But 
there's nothing wrong with doing that. I mean, that's, you know, especially because I think people get a little hung up on the 60s only being Vietnam when there's guys in the 60s that were going to Germany and they did not get, like, for instance, I'm pretty sure I could be correct on, incorrect on this, but I'm pretty sure the M16 didn't arrive in Germany until 1970. So they still were using M14s all the way through. All the nylon gear was getting cycled to Vietnam because that was the purpose of it. Yep. So like those guys were still using 56 all the way through. I mean, 56 was still heavily used in Vietnam all the way through the war, but like that's what, and that's why, random side note, why the only one M60 variant of tank is in Vietnam and it's the CEV version, the combat engineering vehicle. M60s were only going to Europe because they were supposed to hold off the Russian horde. An impending Russian attack. Yeah. yeah. So M48s being the second up tank for us, kind of at that point, the M60 was starting to supplement it. The M- M48s went to Vietnam. You know, you have your, your A2s and A3s going to Vietnam. So that's kind of just, again, side note, but that's just, it's one of those things where it's, I think people get a little hung up on eras and places and how things are different, like in World War II, difference between European theater and the PTO, the Pacific Theater of Operations, like how it changes. Same thing happens in modern day kits and impressions, Afghanistan versus Iraq um, in the lead ups and, and over the years and how things change. Because obviously in Afghanistan, you get to a certain point where multicam or, you know, OEF, uh, what is it? OCP, OCPEF. It had a different name than OCP, but like it was supposed to be like Enduring Freedom or whatever attached to it. I don't know. <laughs> well, it's multicam. They started issuing that instead of UCP. That was a specific thing to Afghanistan. I could be wrong again. Someone fact check me. But from my understanding, that's how that worked. And the again, the way I look like generic, you could do generic in the sense too that you're doing like a mid, a late, maybe an early kid, a post-war. Good, good example of a post-war. We were talking about this before is uh, post-war occupation of Japan First cavalry. Mm-hmm. It's kind of generic in the sense that you could just do whatever, but it's it's specific to the unit. Yep. And the first cav in the post war occupation had the cool their the first cav patch like painted on the side of their M ones. Looks really cool, completely impractical for combat, but for like occupation force, who cares? Just one of those little things where it's like kind of specific, but it's not. It's also not really part of the war. It's a post war thing, occupation thing. Um, just something to think about. Uh, I just don't think you have to do a specific because you don't, you do generic. I do generic. Yeah. I tend to do generic because it's just easy enough for me as it is. And some people love it when you get very specific now and then, like for example, like the battles, like what the soldiers would have worn during a specific time, like World War II, like let's say the Battle of the Bulge, you would have been wearing like M1943, four. Like yeah, weather field, gear and stuff field like that. jacket and stuff, yeah. Yeah, and stuff like that. And like the the warm weather, like under the cap. Yep, it's for the helmet pretty much. Yeah, yeah you just, yeah. But people get like, people tend to be very strict sometimes from yes. what if I've, you know, encountered in the community itself, especially on Instagram and even Reddit itself. Like people be very strict upon like getting a certain type of item correct and stuff like that. And it all depends, for me, it all depends on what you can afford and what you think is a good impression or a kit. But it also comes down to photographic evidence, sometimes a video, and sometimes even talking to the person that they might have, what they've worn mm-hmm. back like in Vietnam. For example, I actually volunteer at the American Heritage Museum and I uh, volunteer with a person named Hugh. Great guy, by the way. 
and he was actually part of the field artillery. Um, I forget what it was, but he did field artillery back in Vietnam. I think like late, probably seventy three, maybe seventy four, even. And I show him now and then like my generic Vietnam kit and what I'm doing and what I plan on getting. He goes, "Okay, well, you can do this, you can do that, and this is what I would have worn." Um, my piece of equipment would have been a different way on. I would have had it upside down. I would have had this. And it's like, I can respect him because he was there. Yeah. He was there. And that's what they would have worn. Especially for these reenactors and impressionists. They, sometimes, they've seen combat. They've been in the service. Like Jake here, he's been in the service. I haven't seen combat, though. No, but not combat. But some have seen combat. Just a weekend warrior. (laughs) And, you know, they, it's what they would have worn. Got to be careful with that, though. What's that? Because, uh, you know, things change. Yeah. The, oh, yeah. This yeah. is, yeah. Yeah. It's pretty much, collecting is always evolving, no matter what. Well, I mean, day. like, what we do nowadays versus then. Oh, yeah, yeah. They, like, like, how to wear body armor and stuff. Marines wear their, most of the time, there's suspenders underneath. Yep. I, I know people think it's both the Army and Marines. It's kind of, the Army is kind of a mix. It's kind of depending on situation. Yeah. I found examples of both. I, I will say, not to get controversial. But I think the body armor thing, where in the suspenders under or over, I think that's I think people harp on that a little too much, to where it's a negative in the community. Because I think the Marines, yeah, the Marines guarantee like you can find tons of photos of well, because their suspender system was a lot thinner. It's also different. It is different. Yeah, it, it seems a lot more thinner because there wasn't much more bulkiness on the shoulders and, and stuff of the fifty six pattern. The Marines wore their body armor. Yeah. The thing is, is I think there's a lot of units in the army that did. But the army is so much larger than the marines in terms of combat force. Yeah, that you, there's just less examples of the army where the marines are all wearing, you know, either fifty two or fifty five. It's so small a force that there's so many more photographic evidence that yeah. they're always wearing the. They're also dress. involved in battles like battles of Way, the Battle of Way City. Yeah, like, that they're all you know. It. My point being is, I think people harp on it too much to the point where it's it's a detriment to the community. I think that there's there's more than one way to do something. Um, again, I, you can find photographic ev- evidence going both ways for the army, suspenders on the inside, suspenders on the outside. I think it's a personal choice really for the troops. I don't think it was a dictated thing. Um, I just think it's just one of those things. I don't want to make a big deal about it. I just think it's one of those things where, you know, because we, you, we both run into this Yep. and, um, personally for me, I mean, again, I have to be careful because my modern perspective is you don't wear any of that underneath your body armor goes underneath everything. And you're, you know, if you're wearing IOTV, your flick goes on the outside or you're attaching directly to the IOTV. Um, but if you're, you know, it goes back past era, same thing. It was Alice gear on the outside. It's just, it, it's just how it's designed and stuff. But when you get back further, I mean, yeah, I don't know. It's just one of those things, I guess. I don't want to harp on it too much. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> but I know it's a little controversy, but controversial. It's just like, we do have a stance of what we're trying to say, but then again, it's like, we don't want careful. Yeah. We don't want to dive too in and, you know, anger Alien. some people. Yeah. I don't want to alienate anyone. I just, it's not yeah. that I, I don't want to tell anyone to, to I, every, everyone can do the kit that they want to do. Yep. I just think that it's fine to educate people. The, the two things I'll say is, and we've said this, I think in the researching episode is try to back up what you're saying. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm not saying come up with a thousand photos but if if you're if you're sure of something, try to find examples going the other way. And it's kind of hard with Vietnam; it really is to find really good examples of army wearing body armor. I mean, I found a few examples, but there's just not so many examples. Out exactly, there, especially yeah. like you said, the Marines. And I also think it's situational for for 
the army. Like, say you were wearing, you're wearing your flak vest, you're wearing your, your, you know, like, say you want to be able to ditch your flak vest whenever you want. Like, you do an ORP and you just want to f- ditch your flak vest. Uh, like, you want it on top because it's just easy. You don't take all your web gear off. So I could see that, that, that there's rationale behind wearing it on top. I actually can see it. It doesn't really make sense to the modern day because body armor is kind of just an all-the-time thing. But back then, you would ditch all that gear. Drop your ruck, possibly drop your body armor because you need to be, you know, move quickly, silently, not be encumbered by stuff, not be, you know, you know, you just want to be loose. And in, in, in that, you might drop all your gear and just grab bandoliers, throw a couple bandoliers over your shoulder and then just, you know, rifle and that's it. Yeah. Um, yeah I mean, you see the guys running around just bandoliers and a rifle. So, I mean... I, I just, I think it's, I think that's all we're trying to say. You know, do what you want to do. Um, try to back up what you're doing if you want. But if you're doing for generic or if you're not going for historical, just make sure you say it's not historical. When people get on your case, you just say, hey, I'm not doing a historical. It's just, it is what it is. You know, you, you want to have a little bit of farb in your kit, maybe. That's just the type of person you are. I don't know. <laughs> Some people do it. I'm not saying my kits are perfect. Mine are either. Like my variable body armor, when I did that, you know, that law, post-date, you know, it's not a nom-dated law. So I just threw it in there for the fun of it. Yeah. You know, I'd like a dated law. Anyone's got a dated law that wants to sell me one. Um, or Bailey. Bailey wants I want one too. Yeah. Please. But I know how those are kind of, una- they're not unattainable, but they're kind of sought after. But the point being is, I guess, just, you know, we don't want to dictate anything. This is just our opinions. We're trying to be chill here. Um, uh, that's pretty much it for that, I guess. Uh, I don't want to do all the talking, but real quick, my insert of why you won't see for the most part unit patches and certain rank on my kits and impressions if i start doing and wearing stuff myself and standing in front of the camera you're not going to see me wear and this is not a gripe towards anyone else this is just a personal choice you're not going to see me wear a unit that i didn't personally earn the patch for or is not a family member who i'm representing by wearing the uniform um for instance World War One and World War Two, I'm fine. I, I wear the 26th Infantry, the Yankee Division, because my unit happened to use that patch for the first part of my time in. Then we switched to a different unit patch, and then we switched to the 44th, uh, which also had history. The middle patch was a new patch. It had no real uh, lineage to it, no history. But the 44th also has lineage. So I'll wear patches related to units that I, I personally have some lineage to based on my time in. And the same goes for rank. Um, generally speaking... I will not wear rank higher than E4 because uh, I was a specialist. Uh, if we get to a, I get to a time frame like World War II before the modern day rank structure was adopted in like the late 50s, I'll wear, um, I'll go down a rank. You know, if, if, it's, if it would be considered close to a corporal, for instance, I'll go down back a rank because I was an NCO, so I don't want to take that as a thing. I know some people, it's not, not a big deal. It's just for me, I know the like what it takes to get Unit patches kind of mean something. Uh, it same goes for CIBs, EIBs, paratrooper, uh, like aerosol, all those, you know, sapper, ranger tabs, stuff like that. And I'm not just saying ranger school tab, but like actual ranger bat tabs. Yeah, you know, not wearing that stuff. Because ranger bat is, uh, ranger school is one thing. Ranger bat is a whole nother level. That means you're actually in a ranger battalion. It takes a lot to get that. I, not even close, just a weekend warrior. <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to, it's just not my, it's just not my thing. Again, anyone else can do whatever they want. Totally fine. You know, I have no issues with it. It's just, it's a personal choice where I don't want to do it. It's just because it, what it means to me. 
Uh, but I like my dad's uniform. I'll wear his uniform first calf. Um, my if I do World War II, I might do Twenty Fifth Infantry because my great grandfather. Um, I don't know the unit, but my grandfather, my dad's side, was in the Navy in Vietnam, served in River Patrol. Might do that. Um, but other than that, I won't really dive too far into the units and stuff. You know, if I can do a unit that I've served in, great. But otherwise, I, I'm going to stay away from it, which, yeah, it limits me. I can't do some of the cool stuff. I got to love to do, oh, I don't even know. I mean, I could do, I guess I could theoretically do first cav during Vietnam, but it's not really the time that my dad served. So, you know, my dad did the late 80s, but it's different. I guess you could. It's a reorganized, it's different, different first cav too. They reorganized yeah. Yeah. kind of post Vietnam. So, um, you know, I don't know. It It is what it is. I just wanted to throw that out there because I know, like it might eventually irk people. Maybe I might, I'll do like us army patch, maybe rant, um, name tapes and stuff like that. But like, I won't go beyond that for the most part. Like I said, like, like I said, the exceptions are already noted. That's pretty much it. But you know, that's just, that's just how I feel about it. And again, no shame towards anyone who does otherwise. It's not a, it's not a problem. It's just a personal choice. That's understandable. Yeah. I just, you know, it, it patches mean something more to some people more than, than people realize, you know? Yeah. They have, they have, you know, there's, there's unit pride in it. I mean, for us, when we, when we lost our 26th infantry division patch, well, it would have been the 26th mechanized enhancement brigade. But, um, when we lost that patch, that really kind of sucked because we lost a patch that goes back to World War One. Yep. Well, kind of post World War One, but like, that's when that unit, you know, because, uh, I, my uniform, my, my service, my dress uniform, I mean, it has, um, a French forager which is linked to, I think that's linked to World War One. There's a unit citation on there that's linked to World War One, possibly World War Two. Um, our battle streamers have things that are linked all the way back to that time. Um, I mean, again, the unit I served in has lineage going dating back all the way back to the formation of the first militia in Salem, Mass. So there's there's a historical component of it, and as being someone that actually likes history and collects obviously while we're on here it's cool yeah. you know to be part of a unit that has such such you know long lineage to it you know even if it's not like a direct lineage because some of the stuff is just it's like passed on like that unit isn't directly like the unit i was in it didn't exist and it's, it's not like they're like oh here it is <laughs> this infantry regiment is formed in 1636 now it's just they loosely tie it together and stuff it's just kind of an honor thing yeah. but you know I guess that's my my little spiel on that, but uh, we'll move on and get off that because we've talked too long. I guess the next thing is accessories, what you can do to, you know, add to your kits to go beyond the basics. So for accessories and pretty much like the basics, like you said, would be like, right now I am trying to focus on completing my tropical rucksack for my Vietnam kit or impression, I suppose. Yes, you could say it. (laughs) Later war. Yep. Later war. Yeah, definitely. But, like, in order to complete that rucksack, you're going to need, like, what they would have carried. Thank you, Tim O'Brien, for the very, very... Was it a good book? Or no? I don't know, honestly. Did you even read it? No, I know what you're talking about. I don't know. Like, I, I don't, I, I'm not an expert on this stuff. No. <laughs> I only know so much. <laughs> As we say, we're not experts. We're just guys that are collecting, trying I, to give out our, our I history. I think I read it back in high school. It was, like, an awful book. I don't even remember. But anyways, like, the things they carried. Reference. Roughly, gone. Yeah. Okay, reference done and done. But yeah, it was just it's loosely of what they've would have 
carried on their patrols and whatnot in their rucksacks. But from what I've seen, heard, and talked to, it's basic stuff like towels, mostly canteens, food yeah, rations, water, food, socks, ammo, socks, clothes, socks is a huge one, boxers, undershirts, anything like that, pretty much. But also for accessories as well, you gotta think about ammo pouches, uh, stripper clips, bandoliers. Maybe grenades. Yep, grenades. Yeah. If you want to do like a grenade, explosives. Yeah. You know, some inert claymores. Like, claymores. Yeah. Claymores. C4. Yeah. Little packs of C4. You can find the props on eBay and stuff. All these goodies are called accessories, which we love dearly to our hearts. Yeah. Accessories. Yeah. <laughs> I law tubes. Law tubes. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. In date law tubes. Um, oh, the list just goes on. It's ridiculous. Yeah. We could list for days. For what you could carry on your... But we're not gonna, because this is a podcast. I mean, if you're doing Marines, give you a pack board with, uh, yeah. in the early days, early, Super Bazooka. War. Super Bazooka rounds and stuff. They packed them on the pack board. Yeah. Um, if Mortarmen, pack board of mortars. Yeah. Uh, the tubes. Uh, it goes on for days. You know, all that stuff. The the illumination flare. Those things. Yeah, those... You know, uh, tear gas. Tubes, yeah. Maybe you're doing a kind of a tunnel rack kits you want your ruck to have like tear gas an xm28 or an m17 you want to be light back. as possible <laughs> well i mean they drop the ruck but oh yeah definitely yeah you drop your ruck go into the tunnel but like you know stuff like that that's all the little things that you can kind of add to it and and I'll, I'll say like don't worry about using airsoft guns in my opinion oh yeah, they're fun if the airsoft gun is roughly close to what it should be i mean they're not some there's like a few good ones out there some of them are like good enough they're mm-hmm. not perfect but like they get the job done. I I personally again this goes back to what I said last time. I buy airsoft because honestly I don't have the budget to buy real steel. <laughs> real steel M16. We live in a state that's a little restrictive on that, so we can't really get to. It gets a little bit prohibitive on expense. And even if even I'm not even just talking real steel M16. I'm talking like an AR15 clone. Yeah. Like a BRN uh, 16 from Brownells. But like I can't in my state just because of restrictions. So airsoft takes a good. It's a good way to sh- to have something that looks realistic, as long as you get a good one. Even if you're on a budget, get a bad one or not a bad one, but get one that's not as accurate, a little bit less detailed. Uh, most of, most of the times they are going to be less detailed because they don't want like you know to be exactly like an exact replica. Yeah, and of then, an actual firearm. You know, remove the orange tip at your own risk if you can. Yeah, if your state doesn't have a specific law, I mean, it's a federal thing to sell with an orange tip, but some yeah. states don't have restrictions on that. Uh, you can do what I do, where you know you have some sort of flag, like a, a cover or something if you want to remove. Um, and that way it's always covered when, you, that, that way no one makes a mistake. Safety first for, for anything gun related, even if it's airsoft. Safety rules always apply. Can't say that enough. Um, especially in this day and age, really safety first, like big time. You got to be the example in that. Um, but yeah, airsoft's great. Replica guns are great too. There's a lot of non-firing replicas. Again, check your, your local laws, make sure you're following them correctly. But replica guns can be really good too. If you want something that's got a little bit more heft to it or is properly weighted. Um, and and like I was saying in the last episode, you know, I like doing the airsoft because it's cheaper. Not super cheap, but it's significantly cheaper than a real gun sometimes. Uh, there's some expensive airsoft guns out there, but but you can spend more money on airsoft. I mean, you can spend more money on military surplus, sorry. So you can spend less money on on buying a gun buy one gun that you that you could buy a couple of airsoft guns and military surplus, which opens up mm-hmm. uh, or a replica gun like Bailey bought my replica M16 um, and it's not the greatest thing in the world but it, it is cool that it's weighted fairly correct, correctly it feels pretty good in the hand so it's just 
those are little things that that little detail can add so much to your impression of your kit. And again, this isn't like anything new to some people out there, but I just wanted to put that out there. Just, you know, I don't think there should be any shame in having an airsoft gun. You know, I think you can do a lot with airsoft. Yeah. For, even if you don't play airsoft, like I don't really play, I used to play airsoft in high school and I just, I don't really do it anymore because I just don't really honestly have time. If I had more time, probably, but I just don't have time. I'm just too busy. I never played it. Oh, really? I thought about it when I was a kid, but. Oh, these used to be, uh, we used to, yeah, we used to play a lot, like every other weekend. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. See, I thought about it when I was a kid, but just like overall, like within the years, it's just like, eh. Oh, we had. Not my, not my type. We had, like, at one point, we had like 10, 15 kids. We'd go out through this forest that's like by uh, one of our friend's house. He'd be a staging ground. We'd go out the forest. We'd set up games. They had like a whole thing set up. It was good. For kids, dude, as, as teenagers, it was great. We had a little like bunkers set up out of wood and stuff. Mm-hmm. It was cool. So um, I understand the love for airsoft. It's great. Uh, but you know, that's, that's a good, that's a good accessory right there. You know, just having that bandoliers. Oh, and you can get, uh, resin or plastic fake magazines, yeah. 20 rounders, 30 rounders. You can get Thompson blocks mags. of woods. Blocks of wood great for budget. But if you want to step that extra further, you get the plastic or resin. There's also, you know, you can get, um, a lot of people make, uh, like early, late, mid Mark two pineapple grenades, you know, the different scheme of color because obviously they paint them yellow and then eventually they went to the band all that stuff yep. uh, those usually look pretty good gotta kind of be careful with the, I mean if it's all you could do it's all you can do but you kind of gotta be careful with the uh, the paperweight fake grenades that you can find because a lot of those like I'm pretty sure the M26 type is based on I can't remember what it is but it's based on the training version of it and there's actually a slightly different shape to it again that's getting into like the finer details like again who really who cares if you can, can't afford something better but you can some people make really good uh paint job yeah replica you know smoke grenades are something that are hard to get I'm just gonna say that I want a smoke grenade someone sell me a same like a replica smoke grenade because they're all sold out at the moment. I really want to get some smoke grenades. And they're hard to come by nowadays. Yeah. I don't need a real one. I just want a replica. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Something that looks good that I can... And if it doesn't look great, I could paint it myself if I have to. Yeah, but. they offer like stencils and paint jobs as well. Exactly, yeah. So like those are all those... Those are all great options too um, that are out there that, that you can do. Um, so those are just things to think about, you know, with uh, accessories and stuff. If, if you can. If you can. It all comes, if you can't, if you can't, you can't. I mean, budget. I, I can't say this enough. You got to budget. You got to you gotta play around with the money that you have and see and, and try to get the best deal and just look around for cool stuff. And, you know, that, you know, that's just what you have to do. It is what it is uh, when it comes to that stuff. I mean, I do it all the time. There's a lot of stuff. That I want to get some more resin mags myself um, to fill out some of my pouches and stuff to give them more, but wood works great. Wood can work great. I mean, heck, if you have, uh, if, even if you're underage, if you can get your your dad, or your mom to cut you some some wood to, to the shape, roughly, you know, that's that's good enough. You know, yeah, can't stress enough that it doesn't matter if you're underage, over, or you're adult. Anyone can do this stuff. You just have to use what you have, and obviously follow your local laws. And you know, you just and you know, I mean. If you get restrictive parents, you got you got to work with that until you become an adult, and then that changes and stuff. But you got to do what you can do, um, and I feel for you if you have restrictive parents that don't. You know, I, I, I as long as you're smart about your hobby, I, I, I would hope hope the parents, your parents, could see that you know you're trying to you're trying to do something. There's something. There's a value to this. It's not just 
random stuff. There's, mm-hmm. there's, there's history, there's value, there's something going on here. So um, that kind of brings us to our last thing. Which is, oh yeah. Which is my question. Yeah, what is your question? What is my question? You want to know? I do want to know. My question is, what makes it a kit? Is that your question? That's the question. I thought the, is that is there another question after that? Oh yeah, I forgot about that one. <laughs> I, we already answered the what is a kit. Yeah, that's true. Uh, so my other question would be, would you ever be able to complete a kit? Okay, so I will take the yes on this because it's a yes and no thing. So yes, you can complete a kit. Uh, a good example is the Kent Crewman that I did. It wasn't perfect in my mind, but it, I was basing it loosely off of a natural photo in Vietnam. Uh, there's some minor differences. He had a 56 with Davy buckle instead of the normal uh, buckle hook and loop. Uh, but that that kit's complete in my eyes. You know, I mean, it's already taken down, kind of. I've already started moving on to the next kit. But like that kit's completed in my eyes. Um, I mean, yeah, you can definitely complete a kit. But on the flip side, you also sometimes it's ever evolving. Which is my stance on it being a no that you can never complete a kit. Because with me, I'm always looking buying and always evolving my kit in a certain way like i wasn't expecting to purchase a rucksack and be like oh hey rucksacks you know i got a rucksack now that's cool oh no you gotta stuff that bad boy with uh, your goodies and accessories in there to make it you know to make it a complete kit in my opinion which is what you know i am trying to accomplish right now and and i think you're doing a good job at it too you showed it to me today oh thank you i'll probably be making a post about it very very soon by the, time by the time this episode comes out i hope so you, you said that before and you didn't do it hey you still gotta take a poster <laughs> you gotta take a picture of that poster man i have a poster picture of my poster but it's not that good so i'll try to make i'll try to take a better one soon which you know goes back to the last podcast where we talked about you know angles all and right writing. all right all right anyways i'm calling you <laughs> out uh hold it to him people uh yeah but that goes yeah, all that kind of feeds into itself because like the accessories, the picking an era, the that all goes into what he's doing with his tropical rucksack, for instance, trying to f- figure out what would be in the rucksack typically for an infantryman, late Vietnam, U.S. Army. He's not really picking a unit per se, but he's picking a generalization and filling it up with stuff. And it's fairly heavy actually at this point not even including the fact that it's empty canteens at the moment filled those canteens up you're adding five six seven eight pounds i might try that one day oh god that's gonna fuck just it. make sure you drain them correctly and make sure you dry them out correctly because i can tell you canteens get gross oh yeah very gross if you don't take care of them sludgy yeah it's nasty but so that you know that basically wraps it up i would say um again this all boils down i know i did a lot of talking again but this all boils down to you know do what makes you feel good, um, but back it up. Don't just do it for the, for the heck of it. You know, back it up. Try to you know rationalize your position, um, and it's fine. Again, I, like I said, you can do anything you want. You're basing it off a movie, a video game, TV show, real life. The idea you had in your head, that's fine. I mean, like an original character type thing, that's awesome, and more power to you. So I think, you know, don't don't let you don't be a jerk back, but don't don't let the jerks get you down. Um, but rationalize your opinion. And and if you think that you know something and you can back it up with sources and stuff, don't be afraid to, to, you know, throw it out there. Mm -hmm. Don't be afraid to bring it up. Don't be afraid to try to educate, you know, and if they rebut with something that, you know, change it. And this goes back to what we were talking about researching a couple episodes ago. So, yeah, 
it all kind of these all kind of feed into each other and it's all been kind of the point is to build upon the last one and keep going so i hope that we're doing that i hope so too <laughs> i hope that these are as interesting as we hope they are and i hope that you guys are enjoying them and i mean like i said this might be the last one with bailey who knows? I don't know. And he didn't do a lot of talking this one, so I apologize for the Bailey lovers out there. Hopefully we can get one or two more in before Running out I of time. do a, a big adult move very relatively soon. Yeah, he's going He's going don't, don't away. I'm not actually saying anything. Don't, don't say anything. I'm just saying you're going away. I want, it, I want it to be my announcement, not yours. It's my announcement now. This is your podcast anyways, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, this is true. Using my, my... But no, but he's going away, so he will not be... He's not go anywhere crazy it just won't won't be in the same state for a little while so for a a while it'll be hard to meet up and do things so i will try to fill in with others i guess real quick this is just kind of a little update at the end of this one i'm going to try to fill in with some other people i got some some people lined up for some rather different topics that don't directly deal with military surplus there's still a few people that i'm trying to get on uh hopefully they'll be interesting um if by the time this one goes out, if you guys want to hear, if you guys have a topic that we, you think needs to be discussed, even if I can't discuss it with Bailey, throw it at me. Throw throw me a DM on uh, Instagram. Or and throw all. me a DM. I'll just link it to him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, um, you know, try to t- tell us an idea and stuff. And if I have to do one solo, I'll do one solo if you guys think you can handle ta- listening to me for an hour. If I think <laughs> I can handle myself talking by myself for that long and be interesting. Um, that's something that I am totally open to, you know, trying to find out. I mean, I have a list of ideas, but like, Trying to build upon those ideas can be difficult. So eventually, I would like to have other guests, but I, I still got to find out a reliable, still got to figure out a reliable way to do it over the internet. Eventually, there's some people on the, online that I like to do some things with, but I just want to have I want the quality to maintain the same, and that's very difficult. Um, you know, if the person's international or not, you know, what type of internet they have, all that. So I, it's not that I don't want to do it. Uh, it's just I want to maintain a certain level of quality. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is all, I mean, we're, again, we're not experts. I'm not an expert on podcasts. I'm not an expert on any of this. But I, at the same point, I don't want to waste your guys' time. So hopefully y'all are enjoying this. Bailey, if this is the last one, we'll see you in six months-ish. Yeah, I would say five, so. Five, six months, <laughs> depending on when this episode goes up. I would hope that, I would hope not. this is my last episode. I hope to be on one or two more, probably. It's up to you. I'll try to. Yeah, we'll see. Maybe, maybe not. But if it is, everyone, I hope you enjoyed Bailey for this first couple of, uh, first few episodes now. Yeah. Five, six episodes. Um, you know, and then he'll be back. That the, I will say this, once he's back from where he's going, he'll re- we'll resume and stuff. So, um, we're, I'm aiming for about 20 to 25 every year of episodes. It's a pretty good goal. With some, some breaks built in so we can take a break and not have to rush to get these done. So, with that... Bailey, it's good to have you back. Hey, thanks, Jake. And I will sign off, and we will call that an end.